Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today is part one of a two-part podcast series I call Why You Should Put an Early Miata on Your Bucket List Now. I'm a big fan of the early Miata, and I think you should be too. So in today's episode, I'll get into the details of what makes these cars great and why I think now is the time to act if you've ever thought of getting one. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. You know, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was more than 33 years ago, way back on February 9th, 1989, at the Chicago Auto Show. That's when Mazda, for the first time, introduced the world to their all-new, from-scratch, 1990 Mazda Miata Roadster. Immediately, the demand far outstripped the supply. Dealers were getting $5,000, even $6,000 over retail price. But even with all that initial interest, not even Mazda knew how long the excitement would last. But now, again more than 33 years later, the Miata is still in production, and it's been named the best-selling two-seat sports car with well over a million cars sold. So it's pretty clear Mazda picked a winner. Now there have been four generations of Miatas during this long production run, starting with the first generation cars, also known as the N.A. Miatas. These are the ones with the flip-up headlights that were sold from model year 1990 to 1997 and initially featured a 1.6-liter four-cylinder engine that got a bump in displacement in 1994 to 1.8 liters. These are the cars we're going to talk about today, so we'll dig into those in just a second. The NB, or second-generation Miata, was introduced in 1999 and ran through 2005. Just a little-known fact here, there was no 1998 Miata, so if somebody tries to sell you one, it didn't exist. Not in the U.S. anyway. Now, these NB Miatas no longer had the flip-up headlights and featured some minor refinements to the exterior, along with some minor increases in horsepower, which topped out at 142 horsepower for the normally aspirated Miatas. The NBs were also distinguished by having the only Mazda Speed turbocharged version, which was available in 2004 and 2005. These special cars made 178 horsepower and 166 pound-feet of torque, which was the most of any Miata to date. The NC, or third-generation Miata, followed in 2006, ran for 10 years through 2015. These Miatas were heavier than the early cars, but they were also more roomy inside and often preferred by taller drivers, so there's a trade-off. This generation also saw another bump in engine displacement to 2 liters, which made 167 horsepower in the manual transmission cars and 158 in the automatic. Now, personally, I can't recommend an automatic really in any Miata because it's sort of like getting a shot of decaf espresso. Without the caffeine, what's the point? And a Miata without the manual is missing the point. So get the manual. Come on. And finally, there's the fourth generation known as the ND, and that's the current version of the Miata. This generation saw a renewed emphasis on light weight. Really, there was a big reduction in terms of weight for these cars compared to the NCs. They were approximately 150 to 160 pounds less on average in comparison. And also, they had the highest horsepower in 2019 anyway. Uh, There you got a 26 horsepower bump up from 155. And that, combined with the lightweight, made the ND the quickest accelerating stock Miata yet. 
Okay, but today we're here to talk about the NA or the original Miata. One of the reasons I wanted to do this segment is, you know, this show is all about helping you find something fun to drive, helping you find a cool used car. And a Miata certainly qualifies for that. It's really easy to look at a Miata and think, oh, I'll, I'll get one one day, I'll, I'll, you know, someday. Or then that opportunity passes and you realize, wow, I've been priced out of the market. I've had that happen to me a couple of times with cars that I really wanted to buy. And just sort of, you know, I took my time and I thought, um, you know, maybe one day I'll get it. Uh, two examples specifically. One was a 240Z, the original 1970 through 73 cars. I looked at 240Zs seriously to buy probably four times. Went out, test drove cars, found like what color combination or which year did I want to get? Did I want to get, you know, the original 1970 or was I okay with a 71? Didn't want a 73 because the carburetor is real funky, etc., etc. I eventually talked myself out of it each time. I said to myself, oh, you know, let's do something different. You know, I ended up going on sort of a four-wheel drive rally car phase. I got a Galant VR4. I had a Toyota GT4, known here in the U.S. as the all-track turbo. Got an Audi wagon, an S4 with all-wheel drive. And I just completely skipped the 240Z thing and now regret it because 240Zs are priced up in the stratosphere. Even the basic 240Z is going to be $30,000 and there's cars selling over 100K. I'm not getting a 240Z for 100K. Come on. I'm not doing it. Anyway, same thing happened with BMW's E30 M3. I went and test drove two different times, really got serious about buying one. But again, I talked myself out of it. I bought something different. And now those cars are over $100,000. I mean, there's some that are less, certainly. But <laughs> you know, they're way more than I want to spend on a uh, you know late 80s, early 90s sedan. Even though they're really super cool an amazing little car. I mean, they're not incredibly fast. Zero to 60 is like six and a half, seven seconds. But yeah, I'm just not going to pay that much. Not doing it. But the Miata, I actually did buy. I've owned two examples of the early Miatas, the NA version. I'll tell you about those in a minute. But I didn't want you to make the same mistake that I've made with the Miata. There's still a lot of them available, but they have bottomed out on their price curve and they're going up. In fact, the pandemic has made this worse. Good cars are really starting out around you know, 8,000, 8 to 10,000, where it used to be you could find a, a great Miata for five. Now, you can possibly still find one for 5,000, but that's going to be hard. So, this show is for you. If you've ever had this notion of getting a Miata, it's time to move, it's time to do it. And I'm, again, talking about the original NA Miatas. Let's dig into that. The original NA Miata, it's the flip-up headlight version. It's reminiscent of a 1960s Lotus Elan. It was conceived from the beginning as a lightweight two-seat convertible sports car, with the engine in the front and the drive wheels in the back. And it had all the right stuff from the very beginning. You know, it's got the low center of gravity, an engine moved as far back as possible for the ideal 50-50 weight distribution. It's got fully independent AA arm suspension, four-wheel disc brakes, high-revving dual-overhead cam, four-cylinder engine with four valves per cylinder. It's got a great-sounding exhaust. Mazda engineers spent hours, weeks, months refining the exhaust note. I mean, this is the sort of detail they went into to create this car and to create this experience for people who own the car. On my current Miata, I still have the original exhaust. 
I've thought about upgrading to an aftermarket exhaust and doing some things to it. But, you know, I want to have that experience that Mazda wanted me to have. And so I've kept it that way. These cars also have a great transmission. It's sublime, shifting up and down between the gears. It's just excellent. And on top of all that, these cars look great, too. Even 33 years later. In fact, they were designed back in the early to mid-80s, so it's even longer than that, almost 40 years old in terms of the design, and it still looks great today. Now, one thing, the Miata wasn't the fastest, and there's a lot of complaints about, yeah, Miatas are slow, they're little slow cars. Well, yes and no. Again, wasn't the fastest, best-handling car you could buy at the time. In fact, that same year, Acura introduced their NSX supercar, and Nissan introduced the Z32, 300ZX, and 300ZX Turbo. Those cars far surpassed the Miata's performance. They're way faster. They corner faster, all of those things. But what the Miata tapped into was something more rudimentary. It was the simple pleasure of going for a brisk drive just for the sheer joy of it. I take mine out all the time. I mean, I literally have like a, a little loop that I run. It's probably a 15-minute drive. When I just need a break, I get in and I go. And I come back and I feel great when I'm done. It's a great car to go and do that in. It really can adjust your mood. So again, the Miata, not particularly fast, but it was fast enough. And it handles great. You can toss an early Miata around. You can make short work of a windy road. You can get it to slide a little bit here and a little bit there. And you can do all of that without hitting speeds that would normally put you in jail. You don't draw attention to yourself when you're driving a Miata fast. Maybe a little bit, but not like you would if you were driving a Porsche or a Corvette or a Mustang GT or something like that. Nope, you can drive a Miata quickly, an early Miata, and people don't really know you're doing it and you're having a blast. Obviously, I love the early Miatas. I mean, I really do. Again, I've owned a couple of them. going to talk about those in a minute. But let's just kind of dig into some of the details about the NA Miata, the first generation. It was really kind of broken up into two parts. The first four years, 1990 through 1993 cars, and then the later 1994 through 1997 cars. Now, that first half of the NA generation Miatas are known as the NA6, and that's because they had a 1.6-liter four-cylinder motor. Again, this was a dual-overhead cam, four-valve-per-cylinder motor. It made 116 horsepower and 100 pound-feet of torque, and that stayed that way through that entire four-year run, okay? Uh, colors, when Mazda launched the car, you could get your favorite red, white, or blue, there was classic red, crystal white, and mariner blue, which some people call smurf blue. Later, they came up with some special editions and different colors, but those were the initial ones in 1990. I think in, I believe it was 1991, you could also get silver stone metallic. It was their silver color. That was a, I actually like the silver color. It, was, it, it looks really nice on the early Miatas. You don't see them often, so uh, if you find one and you like it, you might want to snap it up. The NA6 cars were also notable for launching the first of the special or limited edition cars. For example, in 1991, you could get what they called the SE, or special edition. This was a British racing green with tan leather interior. It had the uh, 1.6 liter motor, didn't do anything different mechanically, but it, it had a lot of nice features that 
make that a real special car for a lot of people. It was limited to 4,000 cars, and there was a numbered sequence badge inside of the car. Now, interesting, you know, that it was a limited number of cars, and yet they call it the special edition, not the limited edition. But anyway, that's what they called it. Um, it had a nardy wood shift knob and handbrake handle, um, had a tan tonneau cover. It had stainless steel sill plates, came with air conditioning, compact disc player, had a limited slip differential, which you want to have on a Miata. The NA6 cars had a viscous limited slip differential. It wasn't technically as good as the later Torsen limited slip differential, but still, you definitely want to have it. And the special edition also had power steering, leather-wrapped steering wheel, had the aluminum alloy wheels, AM, FM cassette stereo, cruise control, power windows, and headrest speakers. And options were a hardtop, an automatic transmission, and anti-lock brakes or ABS. That was the very first special edition Miata, and literally called the special edition. In 1982, they offered the color yellow. It was the first time, and the only time during the NA generation that yellow was offered. It was actually a $250 optional extra, so you had to pay extra to get that color. It wasn't part of any special package, but it was a special color. Also in 92, they introduced a black Miata for the first time. The tan leather interior, sort of real similar to the special edition car of 91, but it was not called a special edition. Now, some people claim that it's a special edition, but technically it wasn't by Mazda's standards, although it's, it is unique. My favorite of the NA6 Miatas would be the 1993 limited edition. This is the black Miata with red leather. <laughs> it's a great looking car. And it has all the features that you could want in the car, all the power features and whatnot. I think an automatic transmission and a hardtop was an option. The other thing that it had that was unique was heavy-duty suspension, the sport suspension that would later be found on the R package cars that were available from 94 through 97. So one of my favorite, probably the next early Miata that I would want to own would be a limited edition. Now, if you want more detail about the various packages and features and options that were available on these early cars, I recommend going to Miata.net. Just about anything you want to know about Miatas, whether it's body style or what colors the cars came in or what special editions were available, all that sort of stuff, it's all available on Miata.net. I'll put some links in the show notes so you can go there and, and find out more detail. Another thing I'll say, too, is that if you find a particular car that you're interested in buying, it's really good to get the VIN number, the vehicle identification number of the car, and then contact Mazda's customer service, their 800 number. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And you can give them the VIN and they can tell you exactly what was on that car. Now, you might think, well, I can see the car. I already know. Well, actually, it does come in handy because there are times when maybe a car has been repainted. I had that experience myself. I found what I thought was a Laguna Blue R package car from 1995. And according to the records, only five were made in that color combo with the R package. And I thought, oh, I found one of the magic five. No, it turned out it was an R package car, according to the Mazda rep. But before I hung up, she goes, yeah. She goes, well, I hope you enjoy your white Miata. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What? Is it white? She goes, yeah, it was white. I said, I thought it was Laguna Blue. And she goes, no, this car was white. Sure enough, it turned out the car had been repainted. So I didn't even think to ask that question. I asked about the options, not the color. She just happened to mention it. And I ended up not buying the car. So 
Good that I called the number. Lucky that she told me it was white and not blue. So it does pay to call that number. All right, so the second half of the NA model Miatas, this would be the 1994 through 97 cars. The body didn't change. They looked basically the same. But inside, a lot of things changed. First of all, uh, the big one was the engine displacement. It went from 1.6 liters to 1.8 liters. It was a 10% bump in horsepower. So it went from 116 to 128, and the torque went from 100 pound-feet of torque to 110 pound-feet of torque. So again, 10% increase. There was also the addition of an airbag on the passenger side. That was big from a safety standpoint. The gas tank was enlarged slightly. There was a cockpit brace added behind the seats. It went from one seat belt tower to the other, and that was designed to make the cockpit a little bit stiffer in terms of side impact protection. There was some additional subframe bracing underneath the car that went towards handling, and the size of the disc brakes also went up as well, so that was a change. Oh, and there was even different wheels, so the wheels were upgraded. Those actually got lighter. They were 10.3 pounds versus the previous 12.3, a two-pound weight drop, according to Miata.net, so that goes right to unsprung weight, which is a good thing. But the overall weight of the car actually went up about 100 pounds, which is about 4.5%. So you had a 4.5% weight increase offset by a 10% horsepower and torque increase. Overall, the 1994 through 1997 cars are quicker. They went from about 9 seconds, 0 to 60, to about 8.5 seconds, 0 to 60. And that depends on the day and the temperature and the traction available. You could test a 1994, and it might get 0 to 60 in 8.8 seconds. On one day, it might be 8.4 on another day. But overall, on average, the NA6 car is a little bit slower than the NA8. Just a little bit. Okay, the NA8 versions, the 1994 through 97 versions of the early Miata, also introduced the M edition cars. These were like the special edition and limited edition cars that you found in the earlier version in the first half of the NA cars, but they call them the M edition. They had little script on the side of the car that said M edition. The first one that came out was the 1994 M. It was in Montego Blue Mica. They all had tan leather in them over the course of the M edition cars. Uh, this one had a tan boot and a tan top. It had a nardy wood shift knob and handbrake handle. It had polished alloy wheels, which were 14-inch wheels. It was the only M edition that actually had 14-inch wheels. The later M's all had 15-inch wheels, which is kind of nice because you can run a 50-series tire that's a little bit lower profile. Hardtop was an option. Automatic was an option. ABS was an option, unless you got the automatic, and I guess it was standard with the automatic. But that first M-Edition car in Montego Blue had a production run of 3,000. So it was the first M-Edition car. One thing I should note is that the later M-Edition cars of 1995 through 1997 came in their own unique paint colors, colors that were not available on any other Miata. However, the 1994 M-Edition's Montego Blue Mica paint color was made available as a color on all subsequent NA Miatas from 1995 through 1997. I don't know what impact this has on the valuation of the 1994 M-Edition cars, but it's something to keep in mind if you're looking for an early Miata that's more exclusive. So just make a note of that. So the 1994 through 1997 cars, or the NA8s, also introduced what's known as the R package for the Miata. 
So the R package was a $1,500 option package and not a special model. Now, some people will call an R package Miata a Type R, which it's not. That's Honda's thing. That's for like Civic Type R or the Integra Type R. This is a option package, basically starting with a base model Miata, which had no power steering, no air conditioning, steel wheels, just the very basic car. And then they added back in a sport suspension, which included heavy-duty springs, Bilstein shocks. It had a larger sway bar, at least in the front. There were also a rear spoiler on the car, a rear trunk spoiler, had a front air dam, a rear skirt. And then they swapped out the steel wheels that came on the base model car and exchanged them for the new alloy wheels, which were lighter. They also added a Torsen limited slip differential, and you couldn't get the car with an automatic. It only came with a manual. So that was the package. And the only options were air conditioning. You could add that to the car. And a hardtop was optional, but I think you had to do that at the dealership. So this is actually the car that I own. I, I wanted to get an R-Package car, and I like the Laguna Blue color, and I happened to find one a few years ago, so I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But this would have been the lightest, highest-performing, technically, Miata, stock Miata, from the 1994 through 1997 series. So, there you go. Now, the M edition continued on in 1995. There was a Merlot Mica version. That car, again, had 15-inch wheels. These were a forged BBS wheel that was very light, only 9.6 pounds, and the center caps are often missing, so if you do buy a 1995 M edition, make sure it has those unique wheels with the center caps. It also came with a tan leather interior. It did have some unique seats. They were like a low back seat with a headrest. It's the only time that seat appeared in a Miata. Not sure why, but they're actually kind of interesting seats. I like the seats in that car, but uh, there was just that one M edition, and there were 3,500 of those made. Really attractive car. Uh, 1996 saw the Starlight Blue Mica version, and 1997 saw the Marina Green Mica with tan leather, and that's probably, I'd say that's my favorite M edition car. You know, after getting an early 1993 LE or limited edition, I would go for a 1997 M edition. That's just me. So, uh, But my favorite color is the Laguna Blue, which I have right now. Beyond the M edition and the R package cars, there was in 1997 the STO edition. Mazda called that the special touring option. There were 1,500 in a numbered sequence, so it was a limited car. Uh, the interesting thing was it came kind of like an M edition. It had a tan leather interior, had a tan boot, had a tan top. It had 15-inch Anki five-spoke wheels uh, with Bridgestone high-performance tires. It had its own special STO labeling on the car. But what's interesting about the STO, and it's one of the reasons some people say STO stands for stuff taken off, is because you couldn't get this car with cruise control, ABS, Torsen Limited Slip, what? That was weird. Uh, the premium sound system, electric antenna, or a factory hardtop. Didn't come with any of those. You couldn't get those on this car. I mean, I guess you could buy a hardtop and paint it the STO Twilight Blue Mica color, but why would you do that? It's just costing you extra. But the really the real kicker for me is you couldn't get this with a limited slip differential or the ABS. That was available on all the other M Edition cars. It's one of the reasons you might want to look at an M edition cars because 
You do get the limited slip differential, which I think is sort of a game changer, personally, when it comes to Miatas and the way they handle. Uh, You just can put the traction down better with the limited slip. So I would definitely go for one of those cars or confirm through Mazda that the car that you're buying has a limited slip differential. But anyway, uh, avoid the STO. No limited slip differential, which is a bummer. And then the only other cars that might be considered sort of limited is the 1994 and 95 Laguna Blue and Tan cars. These are what Mazda called a C-package car. They kind of had all the amenities you would want, but they came in Laguna Blue, which was only available for two years. It was only available for 1994 and 1995. They didn't make a lot of Miatas in that color. The total number of Laguna Blue cars is less than 2,400. In fact, for the R-package Laguna Blue cars, like the one that I have, they made 140 in 1994, and they made five in 1995. And that's it. 145 cars. So R-package combined with Laguna Blue, it's pretty rare. But does it add value? In the long run, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it might, but who knows? Basically, I bought mine because I really like the color. I love Laguna Blue. And I wanted the lightest, simplest, most pure form of the Miata in the 1.8 liter cars. And that's the R-Package car. That's it. So when one popped up, I bought it. And I'm not disappointed. And I think if you figure out what type of Miata you like in the early generation cars, once you find one that's in great to excellent condition, buy it. As long as you get what you want, you won't be disappointed. Well, thanks for listening to part one of this Why You Should Put an Early Miata on Your Bucket List Now episode. I hope the details I went over on the first-gen NA Miata were helpful. And in part two, we'll continue to explore what makes these cars great. I'll tell you about my experience with the NA Miatas I've owned and what I think you should look for in an early Miata that you might want to buy. So be sure to join me next time for part two of this two-part series. In the meantime, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.